So we're in part one of a four-part series called Life Hacks. I don't know about you, but I know for me, life seems to be getting complicated. That's the way my life feels anyway. It feels like it gets so busy. It feels like there are so many choices that have to be made, so many things that we have to do. Um, and, and that all together can really lead me to feeling like life is confusing. And for me, I long for some simplicity. I long for that. In fact, this morning, <sighs> sitting up here, I, I feel like I may keep this swing for the rest of the year up here. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of digging this. It seems that everything in life gets complicated. It moves toward uh, being disorganized, which, you know, makes it more and more complicated when it's disorganized. If you need any proof of that for my life, then if by mistake the office door happens to be left open right now as you walk down the hallway when you leave, um, we keep it shut for a very specific reason, <laughs> and that's because of my desk. <laughs> it's really, it gets disorganized. I, I mean, Vanessa will help me straighten it up, and then it doesn't take that long, and it is completely disorganized. If you need any more proof, then just simply look in my car. My car gets uh, washed and gets vacuumed when I get my oil changed. And that's the only time it happens, so it's really organized then. But within a matter of a couple of weeks, it's very disorganized. And if you need any more proof of that for my life, then just simply go look at my closet in the house. Hmm. From organized to disorganized, very quickly. And if you need any more proof of that, then just in my room, look at my side of the bed. <laughs> it's very disorganized. That's me. That's my life. It seems for me that even just simply trying to live my life is disorganized. And it gets chaotic. And I think as you would expect me to do, since we're inside a building where the church meets, uh, you would expect me to say something spiritual. And so I can say that just trying to live what we call the Christian life, it gets very, very complicated. And even in that, I long for simplicity. How many of you might long for a more simple life? Wait, wait, don't, don't respond. Don't raise your hand. Let's do it this way this morning. If, if you long for a more simple life, if that thought even appeals to you, then to let me know, then you just simply, right where you are, just take a deep breath and exhale. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> me too, me too. You know, there seems to be some cute confusion, though, Um. Let me say that again. There seems to be some confusion about the word simplicity and what it really means, what it really means. So from our context and what we're talking about, simplicity, simple. We're not talking about a shortcut. We're not talking about something that's going to save you time and make life faster. Simplicity. 
when we use that today, we're not talking about something that is easy. So we're talking about simple, not easy. Not something that's going to be easier because, in fact, trying to do something the simple way even be more difficult, actually, because we're so used to doing life another way. Simplicity. What we mean by that is simple. We mean that it is clear, that it is not confusing. And it's not confusing because it is simple and clear. And we all have the tendency to complicate things especially this thing called being a Christian. We have a temp t tendency to complicate that. We have a tendency to make it more difficult to understand. We kind of make it unclear. And this series called Life Hacks, we're going to do our best to take us back to something more simple, more clear. I think it all starts with this one question, and the question is this. Who is your teacher? Who is your teacher? Because you learned how to do life from someone. You learned how to live life from someone. And there's no exception to this rule. I, I know we like to believe that we are self-taught and that we are self-made. The reality is we have learned how to live life from someone. We learned how to live Someone actually taught us that. So who is your teacher? And you probably have more than one. You probably have multiple teachers. We are all students. And at some crucial time in your life, you had a crucial leader, a cru crucial teacher, teaching you some very crucial things. They taught us how to live. They taught us how to think. They taught us how to respond. And many times they even taught us how to feel what we feel. And as we begin today, I think we have to ask the question, who is our teacher? And then we also have to ask this and evaluate the results of their teaching. So, another way to ask that question is, who are you following? Whose disciple are you? And the question there, I'm saying for real. For real, who are you following? Not who do you say that you're following. Who are you really following? Not who you say your teacher is. Who really is your teacher? Who is really, really teaching you how to live? So we're not interested really in what you say that you're following, what, who you say is your teacher, we're interested in who are you really following moment by moment, day after day. Now here's another question that I think we have to ask as we get started. Is your life getting better? Now I'm not asking is your life getting more wealthy I'm not asking, is your life getting easier with fewer problems? That's not really what better means. 
I'm saying by that, is your life getting better? Is the quality of your life, the quality of your life, is it getting better? Is the quality of your life getting more full? Because if you are doing life right, it is getting more full. Jesus describes that in Matthew, I'm sorry, in John chapter 10, verse 10, it's on the screen. He says, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. That's why Jesus came. Our life should be getting better, should be getting more full. And Jesus has a very, very specific assumption that he makes about all of his creation. Do you know what he assumes? Jesus assumes that his creation will find him, will find Jesus so pure. They will find him so loving. They will find Jesus so lovely that they will be drawn to follow him. They will be drawn to become his student, to become his follower, to become his, in other words you can use, disciple. And when they do, then he says that he will be at work bringing them a life that is full and that is abundant. Pretty interesting. And then this implies something else. That if we are living that kind of life and Jesus is creating that inside of us, then whatever we do, while we are following Jesus, whatever we do, we can do that in His name. Here's another way that we can say that same thing. That if that describes us, then whatever we are doing, we can do on His behalf. One more way to describe that same phrase. If this describes us, then what that implies is that whatever we are doing, it is as if He were doing it Himself. I love that description. And I think that's exactly what Paul is saying in this next verse, Colossians 3.17. Listen to what Paul says. And whatever you do or say, so if that describes you, then whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through, through Him to God the Father. Whatever you do. If that verse describes you, John 10.10, 10, whatever you do, it means that you are doing it as His representative, as if Jesus Himself were doing it. I love that. And that is the life hack. That's what it is. It is, if it is Jesus that you are following, that's what begins to happen. So here's my question. Is it Jesus that you are following then? Is it Jesus you're following? Because if you are following him, then the life hack is this, a fuller life, a better life, as Jesus just described. Now, there's some confusion, especially in America. It seems that there are many, many people who say, yes, I am a Christian, or yes, I'm following Jesus. 
But then when people look at their life, they say, they can think, well, yeah, I hear what you're saying, that you're following Jesus, but when I look, I don't see you going anywhere near Jesus. I mean, I hear you saying some things like that, but when I look at what your feet are doing and where you're going, you're following something else, someone else. So listen to the power of this next statement. Anyone who is not a constant student of Jesus, in other words, anyone who is not a constant follower of Jesus, anyone who is not a constant disciple of Jesus, anyone who is not a constant apprentice of Jesus, and yet that same person who is not a constant apprentice, a constant student of Jesus, they say with their mouth some some periodic spiritual things. Any person who's not a constant disciple of Jesus, and yet periodically they say some encouraging things, and yet periodically they may even post on Facebook some spiritual memes or some spiritual verses or some encouraging things, or they may even say some encouraging things about their own life. For instance, maybe they blew it really big, but then they say something spiritual like, but God is in control. But that's no surprise to God. But God has this. God's got me. But yet they did something really, really stupid. I've done that many, many times. And then add something spiritual on the end. Do something stupid and then I add something spiritual on the end. But God has everything under control. So anyone who's not constantly, consistently a student of Jesus, but they say some spiritual things, they list some spiritual verses as if I can, I can apply this verse to my life even though I'm not a constant student of Jesus. Anyone who does that, it is as if they are writing checks on somebody else's account, somebody else's bank account. Every once in a while, some of those checks they write might actually go through. But, most often, they just simply bounce. Because they are not really a student of Jesus. And they're trying to grab from here and grab from there a little bit of spirituality for their life and a little bit of encouragement and say, I can count on this, but yet they're not really following Jesus. You see, if you're going to follow someone, if you're going to be a student of someone, an apprentice of someone, let's simplify this whole thing. Let's give it a life hack. Let's make it very, very clear, very, very simple. If we are going to be a student of someone and to follow someone, to be their apprentice, then we must be with that person. You see, to follow Jesus means we must be with Jesus. We must be close to Jesus. 
to be a student of Jesus, we must be right there with him. To be an apprentice of Jesus, we must be next to Jesus. That's the life hack. And Jesus gives us a way to make that happen. He gives us a way to have a better life. He gives us a way to have a more full life. And that way is to be His apprentice. To be His disciple. To be His student. To be His follower. To be a disciple of Jesus. We have to be hot on His trail. To be an apprentice of Jesus, we have to be all up in His dust. In the first century, they used to say of a disciple, they would say, may you, may, may you be covered by the dust of your rabbi. In other words, in the first century, they said, may you be so close in following and being a disciple of, an apprentice of, a student of your rabbi. May you be so close to Him following him so close that when you're walking down a dusty road, all the dust that he kicks up is all over you. And that's how it must be for us. If we're going to be an apprentice, a student of a disciple, of a follower of Jesus, may we be covered by his dust. And it's really a good thing. Because all of these phrases help take the mystery out of all of this for us. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. Jesus is making this very, very, very clear for us and very simple at the same time. Jesus is not asking, what do you say? Who is your teacher? Tell me who's your teacher. No, no, he's asking, what do you really do? Simplicity. You see, as I say that, I believe that we know if we are really following Jesus. And because Jesus has made this so clear for us, we don't have to wonder. We don't have to guess, am I in or am I out? So we're going to look at a very simple description that Jesus gives us. Um, and it's describing two groups of people. So Jesus is saying there's one group of people, and he said, we can call these students, uh, we can call these my disciples, we could call these my apprentices, we could call these my followers. All of those words work. There's one group that are my students. And there's another group of people who are not following me at all. Two groups of people, he says. Very simple, making it very simple. And then Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7. He says, enter through the narrow gate. So, Jesus is saying there is a correct gate to choose. There is a correct gate to choose. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For, he says, the gate that is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction and there are many who go through it. And he goes on. He says this, how narrow is the gate and difficult 
is the road that leads to life, and few find it. Jesus is saying, not just any gate will do. Not just any path will lead you to succeed. So he says there's, there's two, really. There's the narrow gate, the narrow door. He said, I want you to choose that. And he said, the narrow door, is, is, it's more simple. I'm simplifying it. But he says it might be more difficult for you because few are going to choose that, the narrow. He says there's another one, though. There's the wide gate. It's going to be easier to find. There's going to be a lot more people headed that way. So we have the narrow gate, which we could, I think, summarize by saying that narrow gate is us following Jesus. He's following Jesus, going his way, the narrow gate. And that following Jesus takes a certain amount of confidence in saying, if I'm going to go that way, then I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And Jesus will do what he says that he will do. And that confidence gives me the ability to obediently follow his way. And then he says there's the wide gate. The wide gate. And that can simply be summarized by saying, that's just me doing whatever I want to do. That's the wide gate. That's me defining this is right or this is wrong. By my definition, it's what I say that goes. It's me saying this is my life. I'm going to do with it what I want. I might do that later, but this is what I'm going to do now. It's my life, my way. And, and I get to define who God is and how He acts and how He behaves. It's my definition that counts. It's my way. That's the wide game. Doing life my way. So there's a whole lot more people doing it that way. Now, America, we definitely have some gate confusion. Because we have a tendency with our words to say, yep, it's the narrow gate for me. I'm going that way. I'm with Jesus. I'm on his side. God bless America. That's me. We have a tendency in America to say, yeah, I've chosen the narrow gate. But the reality is our feet are not over there. Just our words are over there. Our feet are over here on the wide gate, on the wide path, doing whatever we want to do. We say that we're following Jesus. We say that we're a Christian. But we live over here. And, this is what, and my question is this. What do you think Jesus is listening to? What we're saying or what we're doing? We have some gate confusion in America. Sometimes we like to have one foot over here and we try to have the other foot over here. So it's like we are doing a little bit of this, but we're doing a little bit of this. It's a gate confusion. We can't go through both gates at once. America we tend to have gate confusion. 
So because of that, let's go back to John chapter 10. Now we started with 10.10, but we're going to jump back to verse 7. And let's read in just a moment what God has to say here. And let me give you the context to this. Jesus is talking about this abundant life, but before that, he says this all in the context of gates. A gate. And he says it in the context of sheep, that's us, and the shepherd, that's him. So listen to what he has to say and how he simplifies how his true sheep, or we could say true disciples, his true followers, his true students, his true disciples, his true apprentices, what he has to say about them. And here he goes, John chapter 10, verse 7. So he began talking to them. They were getting a little confused, so he simplifies it right here. Here's the life hack. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep. He makes it very clear. I'm the gate. I'm the narrow gate. I am the gate. It is me. All who come, who came before me, he said, those people who were here before me, flapping their jaws, he said, here, they, they were just thieves and robbers. But the true sheep, the true disciples, the true apprentices, the true followers of Jesus did not listen to them. They did not go through their gates, the wide gates. They didn't listen to them, he said. He goes on. Yes, Jesus saying, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Jesus makes it very, very clear. Very clear. There are many gates, but only one gate, one narrow gate, leads to an eternity-long connection relationship with God. And then speaking of those sheep, those disciples, those students, apprentices, who go through that gate, he says this, they will come and go freely and find good pastures. And it sounds a whole lot to me like Jesus is saying they will have a full life if they go through that gate. They will have an abundant life, a rich life. And now he goes to verse 10, that famous verse. He says, the thief's purpose over with the wide gate is to steal, kill, and destroy. But he said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That gate. Jesus gives us even more clarity So that we can really, really know if we are in with Jesus or if we are out. And by that, it is not Jesus saying, oh, you're in, you're in, you're in, but you're out, you're out, you're out. No, 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 no. That's backwards. If we are in with Jesus, 
It's because we have chosen to be in with Jesus. If we are out with Jesus, it is because we chose to be out. And Jesus makes it very, very clear how we can know if we're in or out. Listen to this next description. Jesus takes two images to describe the kingdom of heaven. And here's what he says. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again. And then he sold everything that he owned to get enough money to buy the field. In other words, he was like, this is so valuable. I see this gate. I see what's there. It is so valuable that I'm going to leave all of this behind and I'm going that way. He goes on. He describes the same thing another way. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And here's what happens in the next verse. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. This is not about money. This is not about money. That's not the point that Jesus is making. He is trying to clarify to help us understand, to simplify, so that we know, are we in or are we out? Have we chosen to be in or have we chosen to be out? He's bringing us clarity, and here's what it is. It's not about money. The clarifying question is this. Are you all in? Are you all in? Have you taken all the chips of your life and pushed them in and said, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm leaving all of this behind and I am all in through your gate. I'm following you. I'm all in. Now listen, by saying that, it, Jesus is not saying, are you following me perfectly? No, that's not what He's saying. Jesus did not say, okay then, great. If you're going to follow me, then no more sin. No more sin or you're out. That's not what he said. you know why? Because he knows, he knows that I'm going to sin again. He knows that you're going to blow it again. We cannot, this side of heaven, follow Jesus perfectly. It will never happen. He's not asking you, are you sinless from this point forward? He's asking you, are you all in? And Jesus gives us that clarity. It's not about you doing everything right. It's just this. Are you all in? Are you all in? And we know right now, I believe God's Spirit is speaking to your heart. We know right now if we have actually entered our lives through the narrow gate. Not have we walked up to it and said, it's a really good option. I think I'm going to believe that. But I'm going to do this. Now. 
It's not have I placed one foot over here and one foot over here and I'm going to try to live both lives. No. You say that's not it. It doesn't work that way. Are you all in? Have you taken your life and followed Jesus? And we know in our hearts if we are all in. And Jesus is making it very clear for us. And I simply, I simply want to ask you this. I'm going to ask you two things, really. But here's the first part of it. Did you follow Jesus in? With your life? All in, or did you follow Him all the way in? Are you following Jesus, are you His student? Are you His apprentice? Did you walk through that gate and then walk over and sit beside Jesus? Are you in? Are you close to, are you sitting beside Jesus with your life? If you haven't, you can do that right now. Let me tell you, kind of how that works. Paul describes it, I think, really beautifully. He gives us a verse. He says, he says, for the wages of sin. Now, let, let me pause on that word wage. By using the word wage, he means that's like you go to a job and you have worked and you've earned something. You've earned the wage. So a wage is something you work for. You have earned it. And when you have worked for it and earned it, guess what? You deserve it. You should be paid that wage. And Paul says very clearly, the wages of sin, that means because we have chosen our way over God's way, that path over God's path, we have a broken relationship with Him. And so we have worked for, we have earned, and we have deserved this thing, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. You want to talk about life not being fair? Yeah. Well, that's what we deserve. We have worked for it. We have earned it. And we deserve it. The wages of sin is death. But you know what? God loves you too much. To let that be the end of your story. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God. Now let's pause there for a moment. Because... We talked about a wage. That's something you have worked for, you have earned, and you deserve. But a, but a gift? Uh-uh. You can't work for it, or then it's not a gift. It's a wage, right? A gift is free. You can't work for it. You can't be good enough to earn it. You can't earn that gift. And you don't deserve it. That's what makes it a gift, a free gift. And so God has for you a free gift. But there's a problem. We can't have it because you know what? We get what we deserve. That wage of sin and death, that's what we deserve. We can't have the free gift that God has for us. There's one way we can have it. God has the answer for us. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's the gift, an eternal connection with God forever. Eternal life, and here's how we get it. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's how we get it. The only way. He is the gate. 
He is the only way we can have that free gift instead of the wage that we have earned. He's provided a way. And this morning, if you believe that, if you are saying in your heart, yeah, yeah, I believe that I have earned the wage of sin because I've blown it, I've messed up, I've lived life my way. And I deserve to be separated from God forever, for an eternity. That's what I've earned. But God has a free gift for me. If you are believing that in your heart right now, this is what's happening. You're being connected this very moment to God for eternity. If you believe that you have blown it, and you believe that God has made a way, He has a gift of an eternal relationship with Him that we don't deserve, but He wants to give it to us. And the only way He can give it to us is if we take it through the gate, through Jesus Christ our Lord, if we'll walk through that. And it requires us to walk all in. And if that's what you're doing right now, if you're saying, yes, Jesus, I'll be your disciple. Jesus, I'm all in. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to walk through that gate and I'm going to get close to you. I'll be your apprentice. I'll be your student. I'll be your follower. I'm all in. If that's what you're praying right now, ask on the back of your connection card before you put it in the bucket in just a moment. Will you mark it on the back side to say, I am making Jesus the boss of my life. I'm all in. I'm going to be a follower, an apprentice. I'm his. He's my gate. I'm going through it. I'm all in. That's for you. That's a step for you. Will you let me know? Now, this next step is a step toward others. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Will you take that card that was in your cup holder? And there's a place on that card under the two verses. There's a place, number one, number two, number three, number four. There's a blank beside it. In those blanks, Will you write the names of four people that you know that are not connected every week to a church? Because here's the deal. We're not interested in people from other churches coming to our church. That is not accomplishing anything for God. That's just fish swapping tanks. We're not interested in that. We want those folks around us who, have, who are not following Jesus, and we want to we help them follow. We want to help them connect eternally to Him. Will you write down those four names and then take this card, keep it with you, put it in your wallet, put it in your purse, and I'm going to ask you to bring it back with you every week of this series. We're going to use this card every single week. So this card is for you. Write down those names, and then this week, every day this week, read those two verses, and then pray for that name, all four of those names that you write down. And say, God, I want them to have that full life that you have for them. I want them to be connected to you eternally. I want to see them all in with you. So I'm praying for them right now. And God, in that process, use me any way you choose in order to encourage them. Will you do those two things? Evaluate for yourself. Are you all in? 
And then will you write down those four names, keep this card with you, pray for them every day, and then be back next week with this card in your hand, in your wallet, in your purse. And we'll keep going. Let's pray. Jesus, you said that you told us the truth when you said you are the gate for us. And that your true followers will listen to your voice. They won't listen to the lies of the others saying, take this path, take this path. But they listen to you. And you clearly said that you are the narrow gate. And that everyone who enters through you will be connected to you eternally. And everyone who goes through your gate has available to them what you will do in their lives. The thief, he tries to set us up to walk through the wide gate and to have our lives stolen, to kill our relationships, to destroy our lives. But Jesus, you offer us a full and a satisfying life. May we choose you right now. Jesus, those of you, those of us who are here today who are choosing you, we're praying these things in your name. Amen. Mm-hmm.